You're listening to the Social Selling Simplified Podcast. Stick around if you too are obsessed with learning things that actually work and believe that success leaves clues. We're all about identifying results-producing roadmaps and getting super clear on how to scale and grow your online business. From part-timer to president, social selling expert Ashley Shaw will help you connect the dots and take the guesswork out of what works to grow a social selling empire. It's time to hear from social selling legends, listen in on truthful conversations, and learn the best tips and tricks to reduce the marketing overwhelm so you can build the social selling business of your dreams. If you're ready to go all in, no holding back, and build the business you've always wanted, you're in the right place. Here's your host, educator, social selling guru, and fitness industry OG, Ashley Shaw. Now, this is actually one of the trainings that I put together for a close coach friend of mine for her team. So it is going to be an intimate training experience, and we'll make sure to link the actual PowerPoint in the show notes so you can get a really great visual of what's going on and some of the formulas and scripts that I'm going to be talking about in this training. So I'm so excited to deliver this training. Let me know in the comments what you think, and let's get ready to dive in. So I'm really excited to uh, be presenting to you guys on the science of overcoming objections. So this call today is going to be all about how to use psychology to get more customers to say yes. And I'll tell you guys a little bit about why this topic is uh, very relevant to me and why I really, really love teaching it. I'll start by the uh, the sweet spot. And why I love sharing this is that I think it's really, really important as coaches that you guys are super, super clear on what your sweet spot is. You in that sea of sameness out there where you see tons of fitness coaches and this really helps build your own, I think, personal confidence so that you can be very anchored in what you do and what you offer that's different than everyone else out there. What the sweet spot is for me, so I did a a poor job of introducing myself. My name is Ashley. I'm going to tell you about me, but that's who I am. And what I actually do is I help online fitness coaches really hone in on their marketing and help eliminate that marketing overwhelm. And so this is really what I would call my sweet spot in the industry and what I really love to do. What I was born to do, I would say I was born to actually work in the fitness industry. So back in the 80s, my parents had a uh, Gold's Gym when I was born. And so I really grew up in that um, fitness environment. My mom was an aerobics instructor. My dad was a bodybuilder. So I really just never saw anything different. I thought everyone worked out and everyone ate healthy. Like I didn't really get that that wasn't a thing for, for everyone. They didn't grow up with that. And so that's where I stayed. After uh, university, I went back to the gym and started working part-time as a personal trainer and ended up uh, working for Good Life Fitness for 10 years. Um, I just started part-time sort of in the gym. And when I left the corporate world, I was the president of a fitness company on Vancouver Island where we had over uh, eight locations and 300 people that worked for the company. So I feel like that's in my blood. That's what I you know, started really since the beginning. What I love to do, I love working with entrepreneurs. I think the reason being is that, you know, when you're passionate about something, you put, you go all in, like your, your heart is in it. And I am one of those people myself at a very young age, I I was an entrepreneur and wanted the flexibility and freedom I saw my parents have. 
they were both entrepreneurs and we traveled a lot as kids and I really loved that. I think that's something that really drew me to wanting to work with entrepreneurs and wanting to be an entrepreneur myself, not staying within that corporate environment. And then skills and education. So what that is for me is it's kind of a very, I would say, unique set of skills. Um, I've worked in the sales industry, like sales fitness industry. I don't know if, has anyone heard of Cutco where you sell knives? That was one of my first sales jobs. So I would go around with my like zipper case full of knives and do demonstrations and show people how they work. And there was a lot of things I learned not to do. Like when you work in that sort of, um, I guess, industry and that sort of high pressure sales, like you really see like this is not a good thing. And then you, you pick up things from people that are really good as well. So I remember the first time I sold my Homemaker Plus 8, this was a $1,200 knife set. And the woman could see it all over my face when I asked her, you know, which one do you want to go with, the Homemaker or the Homemaker Plus 8, meaning plus eight steak knives? And she said yes. And it was all over my face. She was like, oh, sweetheart, is this your first, your first knife set? And I like totally lied through my teeth. I was like, no, sold a ton of these. Like it was very, like that feeling. I'll never forget that rush that I had. And not because I was concerned with selling the product. I knew that she would be really happy with them. So that was a really cool kind of aha moment. Then working in the fitness industry, I was selling big packages to people, helping them change their lives, working in the sales end of things, both in personal training and memberships. And I just never wanted to leave. I loved the rush. It was super intense, but I loved it. And my education and background is actually in English literature and women's studies. So I have this weird, funky thing going on where I love sales, but I love to write. So if you've seen any of my done-for-you courses, it's like the perfect marriage of those things together. That's why I love that stuff. And then on top of it, I'm a sucker for simplicity. I hate when things are complicated. Um, I used to uh, do a lot of the sales training for Good Life Fitness when I was working there and then throughout the other companies. And I just, I would look at material and be like, whoa, whoa this is way too complicated. We got to make this really simple so people can remember it. So that's really what I try to do with any of the marketing stuff I leave you with today. I really want to make sure it's super simple because I think when things are simple, then we can just execute and we don't have to worry about trying to digest it. Just give it to me straight, give it to me simple so that I can just go forward and make use of this information. Just a little bit about, I would say, what I would summarize that I do. I eliminate the marketing overwhelm. So I do live presentations and online training sessions um, that I've created and put together and delivered to fitness coaches. I've helped over a million students. I love teaching. I would do it 100% for free. And I do over and over. I just, it's my dream job. So this is the perfect melody of being able to work at home. I'm in pajama pants. If you guys can't see that, like that, that's the best part. That is the sweet stuff about this job. And 14 years, that's the age I started my first business and I became an entrepreneur. I was selling Hello Kitty uh, stuff out of my parents' flooring store. And I've learned a lot since then. I would not do that again, but it was really, really fun all at the same time. So that's a little bit about me. And I help top tier coaches eliminate the overwhelm in their marketing efforts so they can have the business of their dreams. What I end up like, it's become kind of a really cool thing. I sort of get outsourced for a lot of the 
coaches out there for their training department. And I just sort of step in and start helping out. And I just, I love that. Like that is my dream job. So I'm just in all my glory being able to do this with you guys tonight. So we're going to talk about a couple of different things. I want to go into the most common objections you're going to hear in the fitness industry. And I can tell you, I've heard all of them and have been through that process of, you know, overcoming objections and all that sort of stuff. So I feel you guys, like I totally get when you hear that like bomb drop, like, ah, I just need to talk to my spouse. And you're like, ah, we just had a 20 minute conversation and it's going down this road. So anyway, I totally get it. I'm there with you. Next, we're going to go into the seven rules of attracting the right audience. So you'll attract the yes customers. This is really important because there's a lot of customers out there that are not for you. And how you become really good in this industry is you get really good at identifying who those key people are so that you can just attract more of them and speak directly to them. Next, we're going to go into a case study of how Lululemon attracts this cult-like following on social media, but they've nailed this ability to attract the right audience. And I'm going to break that down for you to show you a real-life example. And then I'm going to go through some resources to give you guys the secret sauce so you can apply this to your business. All right. So what are the most common objections you hear in your business? So the first one most likely is I don't have the money. And what I like to think about here is that objections, when we talk about them, I want you to almost change that language up in your mind. I want you to think of it more as a barrier. It's not that they're objecting to the idea. It's that that person is stuck. And they don't know how to get unstuck because they've been stuck there for a while. And so when we think about the idea that someone doesn't have money, what this really means is that they don't know where in their budget to reallocate that money. They're not sure. They've never done it before. And when they talk to those around them, the other people in their lives aren't doing those things to spend money on their fitness and health necessarily. They don't have maybe those social motivators around them. and. So that is the barrier they're facing is that they need, they don't know how to reallocate their budget. We all know there are tons of people out there that say, I don't have the money. And yet they eat out three times a week. They're getting a coffee at Tim Hortons or Starbucks every day. Like the money is there, but they don't know how to reallocate it. So when you hear this objection, I don't have the money. I want you to think about this person saying, I don't have the skills yet to reallocate the money. I don't see where that's going to come from my budget. So the next one here is I don't have enough time. I'm sure you guys have heard that one before as well. So what this person is really saying to you is that I don't know how to be effective in that I don't have an hour in my day and I don't really know how to get in that 20 minute workout, make it count, you know, add in the drive time and a babysitter. It's way too much time. And what they're really saying is the barrier is I'm lacking the skills on how to organize my workout so that I can make it really super quick and effective. Most people don't know that you can get a really good workout in in 20 minutes from home. Like that is a mystery. That is not out there. A lot of what you see sort of on what people are educated with is like, you've got to work out a ton. Think of any of the like TV commercials about fitness. Like people look just absolutely ripped and 
usually it's this idea and this this paradigm shift that we need to help them make is that it's not going to take hours a day at the gym to get those sort of results. We need to be able to learn how to be more effective and understand our bodies better. The other thing is that, as you guys already know, nutrition is like one of those tips that if you can follow on your nutrition plan, like if anyone's done 2B Mindset, you know this, right? That you can get results with just honing in on your nutrition if that's an area of struggle. So this is really them telling you that they're lacking that skill set in being able to look at their time and reallocate it appropriately. So next we have, uh, I have to talk to my spouse. And this is a challenging one. It comes up, I'm sure, a lot. And this really means that I need someone to back me up on this. I need support on my journey. And my husband or wife is typically the person that I run things by. And I'm really lacking that sort of emotional support in this process. This can be a tricky one when you hear it. I remember, you know, times when I was selling, uh, you know, various personal training packages, it would sort of be this fine line. Like, do I have enough rapport to say to this person, look, I know that you need someone in your corner and to help you with this. And I am fully committed to helping you get there, holding you accountable, teaching you those new habits and really, you know, helping you get to those goals. It's a fine line, right? Like to be able to have that sort of dialogue with someone that you're just sort of chatting with. So we'll talk a little bit more about that one, but that's really what it's telling us. Next one is, I don't know if I can commit, you know, or I just want to try it out. So this is sort of that trial period that sometimes people want. And, you know, this really comes from, uh, you know, there's so many people out there that would buy gym memberships and then never step back in. Like the stats were staggering on how often that would happen. So people do, this fear is really real, right? That like they don't know if they can commit. And it's really uh, them saying the barrier is, I don't know if I'll like it and if the support and accountability will really keep me motivated or if your coaching style is going to work for me. I'm really lacking information on how that's going to work. And so if you guys have seen the, there's um, a video by Simon Sinek, it's called Start With Why. And if you haven't seen it, I would really, really recommend that you uh, that you watch it. It's it, He really talks about and breaks down the importance of telling people why you do what you do versus what you do, because it, it actually impacts a different part of the brain that gives you that feeling like, yes, I'm making the right decision. And so that's a really important component, because if you're facing an objection, that person somehow in their mind is not feeling right about the decision. They can't really describe it. So what they're going to regurgitate to you is that uh, I don't have this. And what they're really saying is that they don't have enough information. It hasn't been presented to them in a way that they fully understand the why behind it. Typically, when you face objections, all of this can be really hard to balance because objections are really a part of growing your business. And there's really an easier way. And so there's a way to set yourself up for success. Um, so you have less chance of a person's defense going up and more people just saying to you, where do I sign up? So I'm sure you guys have all had that feel before where you just, you get a client or you, you get a prospective client and they're like, oh, Amy, I love you. I just want to sign up with you. Where can I sign up? And you're like, all right, where are the floodgates? Where are more of these people? These are my people. I want more of you, right? And so what I want to really focus on tonight is that I could teach you 
all the tips and tricks on how to set yourself up for a better closing ratio. And what I mean by that is, you know, there's different tactics and things you can do. Like when you're chatting with someone, end with a question because then you get to direct the conversation and where it's going. Always option close and say, you know, which option is better for you? The this lift four bundle or this lift four bundle, giving them two options so they don't feel trapped. Or leading your prospect down a certain path of building a relationship, then building on their goals and really making sure you have a solid relationship. So I could teach you guys all of that stuff, but I feel like there's actually something much more foundationally important I want you to understand. And what I can do is like, if that is a bunch of people, uh, you know, hands going up saying, oh yeah, no, I, I also want to learn that. I'll do another call for you guys just on that. What I really want to make sure is that we are not leaving out what I would call the most important component of this. And if you need to overcome objections all the time, like you feel like you're constantly having to get around this like kind of merry-go-round with people, then there's something that, uh, you know, I don't want to say like you're doing it wrong, but there's an easier way. Like there's something different you can do in your business because it should be very rare that you hear objections when you nail your ideal customer and you know exactly who you're talking to. The problem really lies in the foundational piece that you're not starting with the right person in front of you. And I wanted to give you guys an example of this. So back to that story about me selling knives, we had this sort of like acronym that we would use about people we would do our presentations with. These were at-home presentations. So you bring your like zipper bag full of knives and you show up at the person's house. You had to do this checklist of things first, meaning they had to be married. They had to have owned a house and they had to have children. Those were the things that we knew, okay, like this is the right person for us to do our presentations to. If they did not have those things, this was not the product for them. So that really stuck with me. And that's really what I want to talk to you guys today about, because there are some certain things that you can do right away to weed out all that effort and time and wasting it on people that are just never going to be the right fit for you. And so you can work on your objection handling skills. And I absolutely encourage you guys to. And what you're going to find is that you will increase your closing ratio by about 10 to 15%. Typically for us in the fitness industry, it was about 60 with membership sales and that sort of idea. So if you get really good at handling objections, like you're probably going to be somewhere up around 75%. But if you can start focusing on finding the right ideal customers that should be consistently seeing what you're posting, that you're constantly wanting to attract, what you're going to find is that you're going to drive the right people into your funnel, which can increase the volume of your sales by 100%, 200%, 300%. So that is the difference here is that I want to focus tonight really on the science behind how do you get the right building blocks in place for your business so you're talking to the right crowd first. Then part two is let's jump on another call together and let let me walk you through all those tips and tricks around how do you actually help increase that closing ratio. Hey coach, I finally have something that I've been dreaming of providing for you. I know that you definitely didn't start this business because you really felt like pestering your friends and family and getting ghosted by everyone. Chasing people down or having to follow up with them is definitely hard work and it can feel so awkward and uncomfortable for everyone involved. But 
your upline probably told you that this is what successful people do. And they didn't mention to you that unless you're this superstar salesperson right off the bat, you're going to struggle forever if you keep doing it that old school way. 99% of coaches quit because they suddenly declare themselves this expert online and then go back and ask everyone who knew them to just start buying from them when they just started working out last week. And this problem applies to all network marketers, not just coaches. But the 1% that actually succeed have made it because they've caught on to a different system that's been proven to work. And it's just something that nobody really talks about. It's all about taking some simple steps to position yourself as an influencer first. So soon, instead of asking people to talk to you, you'll attract ideal customers who are already excited to learn from you and buy from you. They'll know exactly what you're about and how you can help them. Go to ashleyshaw.ca slash F your upline to learn more and see exactly what I'm talking about. You don't have to hunt people down and make them talk to you in order to get your bills paid for the rest of your life. Check out my short book called F what your upline said and get an entirely different approach that will feel much more organic and authentic. That's ashleyshaw.ca slash F your upline. I'm so excited for you to start implementing these four simple changes in your business and see how it absolutely transforms how you feel about your business and the results that you're able to get. This ultimately means that currently there may be a ton of wasted time and effort at stake. Because if you're constantly, you have these people in front of you, you're constantly facing objections, it could really be that these are just not your right people. Because when you have the right person in front of you, the transaction's super easy and they just go with the flow and you're just getting yeses left, right, and center. So you have to nail the right audience so you face less objections. And there's a science behind this. And that's what I'm going to teach you guys tonight. The ideal customer really comes down to the fact that there's always seven rules of attracting that right audience and that right customer that are always happening throughout people's channels on social media where they're doing a really, really good job. And my hypothesis and my explanation for going in this direction really is that when you have the right person in front of you, you will rarely, rarely face any objections whatsoever. So if we can nail this, if we can nail the seven rules of attracting the right audience, you are going to see way less objections that that are coming up and that you're facing and, uh, and dealing with. Because most people don't like to deal with objections. They just know it's sort of part of the job. This will help lessen the amount that you have in front of you. So the first thing that you need to do is you need to build authentic trust in your relationships online. And so what I mean by that is that when all things are equal, people will always do business with and refer business to people they know, they like, and they trust. And if you think of um, you know, any situation, whether it be if you have a certain hairdresser you like to go to, if you get your nails done at a certain place, we typically always go and we'll refer people to the people that we have the best relationship with, the one that we like the best. We don't tend to go back to a place that we don't like that person. It's not even as much about the service. It's more about that person and if we know, like, and trust them. What this actually means and how you do this is that this is all about your story. And so your story really paints a picture of why your ideal customer trusts you. Why should I trust you? 
what's your story? What have you achieved? And how can you help me? Because it's kind of like that age old uh, bit of wisdom, like you never would take advice from someone if you didn't want their current reality, if that makes sense. So it's really important to share where you've come from that before and after. And I think that when we look at these sort of seven steps as we go through each of them, like it sort of points out if one of these is missing, it may also be causing you to just face more of those objections. So your story, when I, when I, tell, when I say that, your story and why should I trust you? This is really, it can be simple. If we're talking about social media posting, we're talking about Facebook, we're talking about Instagram, we're talking about stories. This is like how I like to think about this is to think of the top 10 things in your life that really made a huge impact and really kind of changed the trajectory of your life or changed your perspective on something. And there is a way to make that into a social media post. So there's this constant drip of trust happening, you know, as your, um, your social media unfolds. I'm going to give you guys an example. If I were to take my story and sort of give a little bit of context and tell a story about it in a post, I may talk about the fact that my parents were always entrepreneurs. And what that did for me is it planted a little seed in me that I knew someday I want to be able to work from home in my pajama pants. And that's how this whole thing started. And then I would be able to talk about that in a way that would sort of establish that I am like that ideal customer that I have. So that's how you can take these little snippets of your story and really start to build trust. It's so important in attracting the right people and lessening the, you know, those objections that you're going to get. The next is to differentiate yourself in a sea of sameness. So what this means is that you can't look at your competition and say, you're just going to do it better, right? Like I'm just going to be a better, you know, fitness coach or online educator than everyone else out there. You have to look at the competition and say, you're going to do it differently. Because when you can really describe why you're different, then there's no comparison. It's no longer apples to apples. And so this is really what I would call your sweet spot. And this is what makes you a magical unicorn. And so I gave you guys that example at the beginning of the call of my sweet spot and why my training is catered in a certain way. I would guarantee and feel very comfortable putting a lot of money on the fact that you guys have probably not met another online educator that could give you that exact same story and be able to tell you this is how I weave in my skills and why I'm different than everyone else. And that's where people cannot put a price on that because I've differentiated myself from everyone else out there. So I want you guys to really think about that sweet spot and what I would call a magical unicorn is right in the center where you talk about, you know, what you're born to do, what you love to do and your skills and education. Right in the center of that is a magical unicorn that no one else can copy. And it's really important that you talk about that, about why you're different. And the people, your ideal customers, when they read that, it you will be such a breath of fresh air. That's what stands out on social media. When you speak to one person, that ideal customer versus speaking to everyone. Because if you speak to everyone, you speak to no one, which I'm sure you guys have heard before. Next step here, number three, is align your tribe. So what this actually means is you want to stick with the people who pull the magic out of you and not the madness. 
So when we talk about our tribe, what I would define as a tribe is that when we have shared values, you and I both agree that this is really important to us, you become part of my tribe. An example of that would be, I hate when things are complicated. I hate techie stuff. I hate detail-oriented stuff. And if someone expects me to live up to that versus what I really am is I'm on the creative side. I can change directions in a quick, hot second. Like I can be all over the map. That is more where my strengths lie. So if I were to surround myself with people that were highly detail-oriented, did not believe in creativity, did not believe in that stuff, I would drive myself crazy. And it's the exact same thing when you're thinking about your tribe and the people that you currently deal with. So you guys may have people out there right now that you deal with that you're like, holy smokes, this person is such a time vampire. I just can't even, like, they just drive me crazy. And what that's really telling you is that deep down, their values somewhere are not aligning. When you feel you get those people in front of you that everything resonates and it feels really, really good. That's when you know your values are in line. If something does not feel good, you know deep down that your values are not, it's sort of in dissonance. It's not matching up together. When it comes to your values, you really want to think about who are the people that you actually want to attract. And so an example of this could be, do you guys all know, you probably you all have to know who she is, uh, Ashley Molstad. You guys know who she is, eh? She's like bitten like number one, number two, like top beach body coach. So I'm going to give you guys an example with her is that when you look at her and her social media feed, she believes in being able to, you know, like have a few like glasses of wine, have a good time. And she has her own like little YouTube show she is uh, recently started called You Can Sip With Us. Her values, she wants to attract people that like to kind of let that side of themselves show, right? That like to have a few social, sociable drinks and like are into wine. Like I remember watching an episode about her talking about this rosé that she really liked. So that's who she wants to attract. If she started to attract people and she didn't talk about that and, and started to attract people that weren't into that, that wouldn't be her vibe. That wouldn't be her tribe. It wouldn't be a good matchup. So you really want to think about that. Whatever you have to offer, whatever your values are, don't be afraid to stand for something. Because if you don't put it out there and stand for something, then you stand for nothing. And that's not interesting, right? So don't be afraid for the things you feel strongly about to ruffle a few feathers in the process. So next is to define your authentic brand experience. If you guys, there's this archetype quiz. Um, There's a a lady by the name of Kay Putnam, and she does this archetype quiz, which I would highly recommend. What I love about it is that when you think about your brand and what your brand stands for, it's really this story unfolding across all customer touch points. So what I mean by that is that when you first receive a message from me or you receive a follow-up message or you read the copy on my website, it's all put through the filter of my brand. And so everyone has sort of these different archetypes in which, you know, they sort of naturally work with. I'm a creator, which obviously that makes sense. And then I'm also a ruler. So all about like passion and power, empowering people, that sort of idea. And what's really cool about defining your authentic brand experience is once you really understand who you are and what's really important to you, then you have this consistency. All of a sudden, this helps you align your color scheme, your font, the type of images that you use. 
everything becomes so much easier and your brand becomes so much more consistent and people can just identify, oh yeah, they almost know it's you before they even see that you posted it, like that sort of idea. So it's really, I think, an important part of really defining yourself as a brand and bringing it to that next level. So how do you want your customer to feel? So I'm going to give you guys an example. There's this one brand archetype, it's called The Lover, versus there's one called The Girl Next Door. So a lover their language is going to be different, right? They're going to, they might use things like, oh, hi, lovely. How are you today? That sort of idea, right? Whereas the girl next door and that brand archetype, she's probably going to be a little more softer spoken, give the person a little bit of space, like, hi, just a, you know, friendly reminder. I'm here if you need anything, right? So there's a difference in the way that those two things feel. Once you establish what your brand archetype is, then you can start to, you'll start to attract people that are really that same feel, they're looking for that same language and um, really that experience, you're able to really bring that to life. Number five here is know who you're talking to. You really, when it comes to your ideal customers, you want to get closer than ever to them. So close, you can tell them what they need well before they realize it themselves. And I think this is really important when it comes to um, being able to read the mind of your customers. It will impact everything that you do in your business because your ideal customer, when you can get to a point in your business that they just can't get enough of you, it's amazing what it does for every bit of your sales funnel, every bit of your conversions. And what that really is, is knowing how your ideal customer says things, the language that they use, and the hopes and dreams that they have. So you guys may, you guys already have access to all this stuff already. If you look at a place where your ideal customers hang out. Like let's say, for example, you deal a lot with moms, moms that have kids, and they tend to hang out a lot on like mommy blogs or things like that. You can go and read and pick out language that they use that will connect with them on this whole different level. Give you guys an example of this. When I first started in this business, I was like calling everyone like online entrepreneurs, like, yeah, like you guys are online entrepreneurs, you work online. And then at like total light bulb moment, I was like, no, no, no. Like, you guys don't call yourselves that. You call yourself fitness coaches. Totally different. It will totally resonate with you differently if you read online entrepreneur versus fitness coach. So knowing your ideal customer is really getting to the point that you know how they think, you know how they talk, because when you start writing your posts like that, then your customer just won't be able to get enough of you. They'll really feel like you get them. Okay, number six here, would know which 20% got me 80% of my results. So you guys have probably all heard of the 80-20 rule, the Pareto principle, where they talk about the fact that when you look at any result or outcome, that there's this divide of uh, 80-20. So when they look at um, a sales results, for example, 80% of the sales always come from 20% of the salespeople. So if you have a sales team and you were to break it down and look at, okay, where is my income or revenue coming from? It would be from 20% of your team, or it could be that 30, 70. It's like that difference in split that you want to focus all of your energy really on that 20% that is getting you the 80% of your result. So this is really important when you dig into your customer list. This will help you define where are my best people coming from. And a lot of people that I've coached and worked with on this will figure out like, holy smokes, like it's teachers. Those are the people that I attract that are my people. I just need to get more teachers or nurses or people in the healthcare industry. So that is really the power of knowing this 80-20 rule. This is your most valuable resource. Who is your 20% that you should really, really be paying attention to? 
And lastly here, we've got have a strategy on answering the deep-rooted challenges your customers are really, really having. What this means is knowing your customer is really knowing what actually keeps them up at night. It's knowing not only the language they use, but really what is settling in on them. And I'll give you guys an example of this just because I think this was really impactful on my business. So I spend a lot of time talking to coaches um, and to a lot of mama bear coaches. And I would totally encourage you guys like with your ideal clients to get on the phone with them, get in their heads, like talk to them. Because the more you talk to them, the more that these light bulb things just pop up. And this one mama bear coach said to me, you know what, Ashley, like I've been in this for four years and I worked really hard to get to the level I'm at. But now like, I just don't want to do the training with anyone. Like I just, I just want to give that to someone else and just I'll nurture the people that, you know, that I do, but I just want someone else to handle the basics. And like, so for me, that is something that's keeping her up at night. Like she just doesn't want to do this component of the business. And that's so important for me to understand because every um, mama bear coach out there, like I'm going to talk to them about that, that I can help them with that if that's something they're struggling with. So that's really the power of understanding what are your ideal customers really struggling with and how can you tie that in to help them understand how you can help them. So this also is helping you generate content of what to post about. So what does your ideal coach write in her diary? What does she think about and really not have a solution for? Because you can be that solution to help. What I want to do now is those are the basic principles. Like those are the seven things that when you do all of those steps fluidly through your social media um, presence, through everything that you're putting out there, you will start to see your ideal audience come out of the woodwork. You'll start attracting people that are just like you, people that you want to work with. You will face so much less of those time vampires and tire kickers because you're going to be really clear on what you're looking for and who you help. But I wanted to show you guys an extremely interesting example of how a company does this flawlessly and really has pulled this together so that you guys can utilize this when you're thinking about, okay, how do I put my post together? What does this really look like? It's really cool when you can see how someone else has done it. So what I've done here is I have pulled together um, some great examples of how I'm sure they obviously need no introduction, um, how Lululemon does this so flawlessly. Um, as you guys know, Lululemon, the first store opened in 1998 uh, in Vancouver, Canada. And the former founder of Lululemon, Chip Wilson, is worth $2.9 billion. So obviously a very, very successful company. Lululemon, uh, I'm sure no intro is needed, but it's a yoga-inspired technical athletic apparel company for men and women. And they have a wild, wild success story of how this all started. So what's interesting about Lululemon is that they did not just have a bunch of uh, like marketing pumping out when they first got started. They have a very grassroots organic story. And that's why I think that their their social media presence and their ability to attract their ideal customer is, is super interesting in this example. The step one, so we're going to go back to these same seven things we've just talked about. We're going to start with their story. So telling their story, this is directly on their website if you guys want to check it out. So what started as a design studio by day and yoga studio by night soon became a standalone store in November 2000 on West 4th Avenue in Kitsilano. Um, the store became so busy, it went from a yoga studio to a full-time design studio. 
It was founded uh, by Chip Wilson. And the first designs were made for women to wear during yoga. And through plenty of feedback from their guest ambassadors and elite athletes, they now design yoga, running, cycling, training, and most other sweaty pursuits for uh, women and men. Not to mention our designers are athletes and sweat-minded people as well. We live a life we love. We set our goals to align with our vision. And it's why so often our one-year goals become today's reality. This right here, them sharing that story, tracing their beginnings back to this small little yoga studio in Kitsilano in BC is really what helps build trust. Like instantly you read that and you're like, oh, like you feel a little bit easier about the brand, a little bit easier about the company. You understand a little bit more about where they're coming from. And it's this beautiful way to really show the heartbeat of authenticity where trust is just built immediately. So that's a little bit about how Lululemon tells their story. Um, this is a little bit more on their website about their manifesto, which I'm going to get into, and also the history of how the company really started and learning more about their first location. When the company first started, if you guys aren't familiar with Chip Wilson, Chip Wilson was the guy that started West Beach. And so West Beach was a snowboarding apparel company. The deal was with Chip Wilson is that he was an adrenaline junkie. So he loved to snowboard. He loved to surf. All the things that were, could really get him that adrenaline high, he loved to do. And what happened is he started to actually try out yoga and meditation. And he got those same euphoric feelings he would get from these crazy intense sports. And this really got him thinking about how he could combine his knowledge of technical athletic fabrics and also combine this newfound love for yoga and meditation into this vision of a community hub. And this hub, it was more than just a place where people could get gear to sweat in. He wanted to create a community hub where people could learn and discuss the physical aspects of healthy living, mindfulness, and living a life of possibility. Also, um, see, when, if you've ever walked into a Lululemon store, all their goals are on the wall. When they meet a guest, they really try to create this real relationship, this real community feel. They'll ask you, what sport are you using it for? Um, they ask you your first name. They put it up on the door. They do yoga as their core, um, but they really, the community hub is such an important part of their brand. They even open their doors on Sundays for yoga classes. So this is really how they differentiate themselves in a sea of sameness. Before Lululemon, there was never a place that was like, yes, yoga is our thing. We are creating a hub in a community, and we've got this guy that's really, really educated around these technical athletic fabrics. So that's how they really honed in on their sweet spot. Next is their values. So as you look at any of their gift cards, their bags, anything like that, their values are in action. And so when you look at these, you know, things like instantly it tells you if either you align with the brand or you don't. So for example, your outlook on life is a direct reflection of how much you like yourself. The pursuit of happiness is the source of all unhappiness. Sweat once a day to regenerate your skin. So they're not wishy-washy about what their outlook is, what their values and what they stand for. Sweat once a day. Like there are some people that are like, no, I would never, like, I don't want to sweat at all, let alone once a day. This is not for me. So they really, really put it out there. This is what we believe. This is who we want to attract. And 
this is definitely these word strings help to define if you believe what we believe, your home and you found your tribe. So this, I, uh, I think, is just a great example of how they bring those values to life. Next, I'm going to go into their brand. So they are what is called the magician. And so again, in this brand avatar quiz, if you do this quiz, this is one of the options. And and, uh, Lululemon is the magician, an inventor, transformer, and visionary. And so what you'll notice is that with their brand archetype, the way, and so what a brand archetype actually is, is like the words they use, the colors they use, the feel that you get when you go to their website or you go into their store. The goal of this brand is to make your dreams come true, understand the law of the universe. The strategy is to develop a vision to live by, to help others transform their lives using new methods, invent new methods and processes. And the fear is unintended negative consequences that their inventions and methodologies um, don't work like they plan. When we think about the goal of the magician, it's really to make your dreams come true. So if you've ever been in the Lululemon environment, they always are talking about their goals and having them on the walls and making those dreams come true. Their strategy, this vision to live by developing yourself, they send every employee to Landmark Training, which is a crazy expensive development course and training and helping um, their employees develop these skill sets to be able to transform their lives. Fear, unintended negative consequences that something won't work as planned. Lululemon has something called the Lulu Lab, where they test out all their products first to make sure that people are going to like them. And if they sell a certain amount, then they go into full production in the store. So they really, really live by these, the goal, the strategy, and the fear is a part of that as well. And I really think that what they stand for and what they put out there, it really embodies that transformational brand. We know that yoga rejuvenates our bodies and calms our mind. And one of the ways that we uh, we practice giving without expectation is by sharing our love for yoga. So they sort of create yoga as this transformational process with our bodies and minds. So they really, really live up and are intentional with the words they use and the way that they want their brand to come across. So they've really defined that brand experience. Okay, so this is where it starts to get super interesting. So this is their ideal customer. Her name is Ocean. So this is the muse that actually has inspired the brand. The ideal customer at Lululemon is a 32-year-old professional single woman who makes $100,000 a year. She's also engaged, has her own condo, is traveling, fashionable, has an hour and a half to work out each day. And they want to, they actually attract people that also want to be like her. So Chip Wilson talks about why this ideal customer persona works for the brand. If you're 20 years old or you're graduating from university, you can't wait to be that woman. If you're 42 years old with a couple of children, you wish you had that time back. And what this has in common is that everyone that works at Lululemon aspires for these same things, travel, fashion, sweating every day. Not only does the brand attract these customers, it also attracts people that want to work there because their goals are aligned. So they know exactly who they're talking to. And I want you guys to think about this for a second. What are Lululemon pants these days? 130 now, Canadian, or maybe American too, $130. If they were off in who they were speaking to, this would be a very hard, this would be a miss, right? If they were talking to someone like my grandmother and that's who they were going after, this would not work. So they're very precise in that they want to attract 28 to 34 year olds who are just like Ocean who don't have necessarily have kids per se. She's um, a working woman that's making 100 grand a year. She's getting married soon. She loves to travel. That is who they're speaking to with this idea that there's going to be this other fringe market that also aspires to be like her in some way. So they really know exactly who they're talking to. Their most valuable resource. So 
when we talked about this 80-20 rule, Lululemon knows that their core is the 28 to 34-year-olds. And they have naturally, you get pulled into that, that aspirational attraction by looking at the mantras they put out there and the, the different things that they they talk about and, and sort of creating that brand experience. So they really know who their most valuable resource is and they don't stray from that. So they know which 20% gets them 80% of their results. Uh, okay, and then the last step here is step seven. This is all about how to generate content and they do a darn good job of this. So this is their Pinterest page. And this, what we're looking at is what sort of keeps ocean up at night is the best way to sort of think about this. So we know that ocean is a busy career professional. She's healthy. She's engaged. She works out every day. So look at the things that they're pinning and talking about. Where should we go out for dinner? Um, there's a, a local guide to uh, Vancouver. What should we do on the weekend? Uh, where should I bring my fiance's parents for brunch this weekend? Looking at uh, workouts, like what should I be doing for my workout today? Because I work out an hour and a half a day. So they know exactly who they're talking to. Therefore, their content is served up directly to her. And what happens with this is it's kind of the self-fulfilling prophecy, right? You know your ideal customer, you know what they think about, so your content is very specific to them. Not only will it speak to the ideal customer, it attracts more people that are just like her. So they can answer the questions that run through their ideal customer's mind all day long. So I want you guys to think for a second here and just reflect. What do you think would change if you and your team started speaking to the right customers? The ones that always said yes, the ones that knew why your story mattered and why you're so different in a sea of sameness and your solution was exactly what they needed to get their lives back on track. How confident do you guys think you would all of a sudden feel in your business? And I want to back this up by telling you guys a little bit about how why this was so life-changing for me. So about almost a year ago now, it would be 11 months ago, I went from having no clients. I had no idea what I could offer. And I was so unsure about how I could take this passion and this uh, feeling of wanting to help teach and educate people and bring it to life. And what happened is I actually hired a branding coach. She was $150 an hour and she was worth every freaking penny. And she taught me all those steps about this is how, this is what you need to do to get your business off the ground. You need to tell your story. You need to determine your sweet spot. You need to do all these things. And what happened is within seven months, I focused on just what she told me to do. I was so honed in on it. I was able to quit my job in seven months and make more than I was making before when I was working full time. And I learned everything that she taught me, I applied and I tested it out myself. And that's something that I think is really important. I would never teach you guys something that I hadn't tried and know absolutely works. So here's the thing to remember is that everyone doesn't need to love you. It's not about going out and making everyone happy, but you really need to find the people that will love you and do anything for you, the lifers. It's much more important to have people that love you and people that don't like you versus having everyone think, you're all right. You really need to have that difference and define who you are so that you can stand out. And that's really how you will get less objections. The more people that are in front of you that are just like you, that are your ideal customers, the more that you will consistently hear yes and people saying, sign me up. I love what you do. You know, let me join your challenge. I love what you do. You will hear that more and more and more often. Thanks for taking the time to level up today. If you're ready to commit to personal and professional growth, move forward, make money, and grow your health and fitness business, 
head to my free community on Facebook, Business Bootcamp for Fitness Coaches, so I can support you every step along the way. Thank you so much for tuning in today and we'll see you right back here next week on Social Selling Simplified.